this week on EXM. A belated Happy Merry Mother's Day. Oculus Rift insists it's not a drift as it enlists a ship date and lifts the mist on a new model. Ist. Nintendo invites you to a new world that isn't a video game. Sex on a unicorn. Streaming leaked games is inconsiderate. The latest patch for the English language is live. We embark on the harsh pioneering life and pre-have a pre-look at pre-orders. We talk HD remakes and remasters in the dialogue tree. All that and more coming up in 30 seconds on EXM. Uh, we're coming up with a 32.33 repeating percentage chance you'll enjoy this podcast. You're now listening to the exclamation mark. And welcome to the exclamation mark podcast, the piece of punctuation turned video game sensation. I am Crofton Steers, one of your two hosts today. Uh, we will be exploring the auditory world of video games. Uh, myself and my compatriot, uh, Bo Schwartz, who is Why? with me. Why, hello there, Crofton. Why, hello there, Bo. Good to see you again. How are you today? You can see me doing video this time. Yeah, that's right. We're uh, we're actually on a live stream. So if you're listening to the audio version of this, uh, we're trying a little experiment to uh, record the show live in front of a what's the opposite of studio and uh, an internet audience uh, in their underwear. Yeah, on Twitch TV. So uh, that address is twitch.tv/exmpodcast. It's also that- available at exmpodcast.com. That tweet, we'll start uh, start tweeting tweeting that out and uh, getting people in on the live stream once we get it sorted. But this is a bit of a first time trial, so growing pains and all that. Good chap. Yeah, and I expect plenty of errors and explosions to happen during the recording of the show. We've already Spe- had one. Speaking of errors and explosions, yesterday was Mother's Day. <laughs> what kind of Mother's Day did you have? I don't know. Um, it was actually my first Mother's Day with uh, both my, my wife had, um, we had a baby eight months ago. So it was her first Mother's Day as a mother. And we had my mom uh, up as well. So there were two moms. Uh, so as I was on my best behavior, uh, did you That's do something for Mother's hear. Day? Well, um, there was plenty of explosions on my Mother's Day because my mother and I actually went to go see Avengers 2 together. And um, we had a nice time. We went out for dinner and saw a movie and hung out. And That's awesome. Yeah, and, and incidentally, there was um, one of the trailers was for watching League of Legends um, championships at, live at the movie theater. And she, no way. she did like a nudge like, hey, would you go to that? That's awesome. Because she knows uh, I like to watch esports on uh, streaming. And um, I was like, oh, you know, I did the whole like I'm embarrassed by you kind of thing. I'm like, no, I wouldn't go to the theater to watch that. <laughs> But see, that's a that's a mother that's supporting your gaming habits, there, Bo. That's right. She's an enabler. Has that's she uh, has she done anything game related with you previously? Well, we used to play lots of Super Bomberman on the Super Nintendo, which is like by far one of the greatest games of all time. Uh, you know, the family would get together and try to nuke one another. So Mother's Day can be all about explosions for me. Sweet, I. Uh, I tweeted out uh, through the uh, EXM 
podcast uh, Twitter account. You should follow us if you don't already. Um, about some of my my mom got me into uh, to computer gaming, which was my first avenue into video games. She didn't want me to have a Nintendo, which was the console at the time, because she thought because it came with that light gun. She thought that I would join the military. Um, which was probably, it's funny with all what we know about Nintendo uh, and the type of games they make to think that, but like you see that gun, like it looks like a legit gun, right? You know, it doesn't look like it looks, it has kitty colors, but it actually looks like a pistol, like the yeah. light gun. So, no, nothing against anybody who's in the military who's listening. It's just that uh, my mom didn't want me to die, so uh, she didn't want me to go in the military. <laughs> but but then then her and my dad decided that that computers were the way of the future, and so uh, and that I was going to become a super smart computer guy. So they got a computer and a bunch of games, which I think they pirated. Um, <laughs> oh. Yeah, they copied the copying of the floppy disks and all that. Yeah, copying games was a thing back in the floppy disk days. You know, it's, I get all my games true. from my uncle. Yeah, you just copy them, change them at school like baseball cards. Is that just me? Um, anyway, one of these games, and I'm sure it's not going to be the last time I mentioned on the show, was this game called Betrayal at Crondor. It was made yes. by uh, Sierra Dynamics. I think your handle, your online handle bow is pulled from that game. That's right. My namesake is Gorath. That's right. Elf and, from the mountains. And, uh, and that game um, has these chests uh, with sweet, fat loot hidden all around the world and you'd get them and often um, they'd require a picking of a lock but sometimes they would require solving of a riddle and uh, you would just have to like put in the answer to the riddle and the chest would open and it would be accompanied by a little music a little music ditty that's playing as you try and solve the puzzle and whenever my mom would hear that music in the other room she would come running in and be like <laughs> Oh, she, she's like, puzzle chest. Oh, good. I will solve it. And she was very good. She's very good at them. Honestly, I got some sweet gear that I wouldn't have gotten otherwise. It, you know, um, Betrayal at Crondor is known for a lot of innovations and things they did right in that game. But the riddles were amazing. They weren't like... Because there are puzzles in games, and you know that they're kind of made easy. But those riddles were challenging. They yeah. were relentlessly brutal. Some of them, I remember spending hours being a little kid going like... I just, you know, I don't know much about the world. I don't understand what I want. What's in the damn chest? The fat loot. And, yeah. And there was no, like, internet. Like, I think that was BBS days. And, you know, there was no information to be had, I think. I couldn't I feel, get it anyway. I feel for you. If I didn't have my mom, I would have left a lot behind. Well, let's thank our mothers for uh, being excellent uh, gaming supporters. And enablers. All right. So... Moving on from Mother's Day, let's move into the news of the week in the world of video games in our uh, little segment we like to call readme.txt. Readme.txt. Wow. That voice that, is scary. <laughs> I know. Every time. Blows my mind. So uh, what's story number uno, Bo? Well, story number one is that the Oculus Rift announces a, announces, excuse me, a launch date and a new model. Well, that's, that's funny. Headline. It's funny because uh, 
that was one of those things like both it and a couple of things like Star Citizen and Oculus Rift. There's a couple of things where I just part of me feels like they will be in development forever and never be released. So now this is sort of a bit of a relief for me personally because I am interested in the Oculus Rift, but I only want to buy the final retail version unlike you who has this dev, dev kit and such. So uh, I'm excited. Yeah, that was um... – I was just, I couldn't wait any longer. I had to try this thing out. And uh, there are no expo shows where they, you know, around these parts where they had them. So, you know, three or four hundred bucks, I, I forwent, foregone, I foregoed a PS4 or the Xbox One for an Oculus Rift. And I got to say, I don't think I play it like I'd play a console, but it was still worth it for the experience. And I got to show my friends and family the stuff. So, like, that also, you know, something. Me- it made me a believer when I tried it. I yeah. tell you, yeah, it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty sweet. So I'm 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 keen on seeing what the final version is. And even though people are kind of like, oh, Facebook bought it. Oh, there's a ton of other VR models. Valve's doing one. Everyone's doing one. The one I'm still the most keen to see is the final Oculus Rift. I think it'll be um, cool. Oculus got to the market first, and Ocul- Oculus is the company that made people believe, you know, capital B believe, not these other companies. Yeah. It's entirely possible that these other companies may be able to produce, produce products more effectively. Like there's still a race to get that market share. I think once it goes retail and I, I wonder like they were supposed to release Oculus retail this fall in 2015 and then it got pushed back and then Valve swooped in and said, well, ours is going to be ready in the fall. So I believe that when I see it, that's true. Um, it's like Steambox isn't out or anything like that, right? They've been talking about that for a while too. Valve doesn't isn't known for hitting its dates. <laughs> well, yeah. So um, I don't know. I, like I guess it's I'll believe it when I see it too with the Oculus. But uh, um, as a company, we don't really have a track a history uh, to peg with their release dates for Oculus. We're with Valve. It seems they have a reputation with you because yeah. you're, you're like, yeah, I'll see it when I believe it. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. The the thing is, the Oculus too is, um, uh, the, like you said, it made people a believer. But there's no proven market share for this stuff yet. It's so funny how much VR stuff is being made. Sony, Project Morpheus, all this sort of stuff, based on you know, like when the Wii came out and everybody copied the Wii with motion controllers. Then the Kinect came out and the Sony Move. There was a proven market there. The Wii sold like crazy hotcakes. Everybody's taken a huge leap of faith on this. I'm excited, but you know everybody could end up with egg on their faces. Although those faces would be protected by their sweet Oculus Rift. <laughs> it's true, actually. It protects your eyes rather well. Um, I will say it does need the killer app. Like That's the thing that's missing from the VR landscape right now is that um, I've tried Elite Dangerous on the Oculus Rift. I have Alien Isolation, but I haven't cracked it yet. But apparently you can get that to work with the Oculus. Um, there are lots of sweet things that you can try with the Oculus. But there isn't a killer experience yet that like you can't get anywhere else that is just stellar that keeps you coming back. Um, like, you know, for example, Connect. The only real experience I enjoyed with the Connect was, um, was Dance Central. Like that was, yeah, you know, that was the one I played. But the rest of the stuff just seemed like novelty things. So... Um, keep speaking of killer experiences that keep us coming back. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, uh, Nintendo announced this week with Universal uh, Studios that they will be moving into the theme park uh, industry in the, in the sense that there will be um, a Nintendo 
themed events and attractions at universal theme parks worldwide. Uh, and this goes sort of um, uh, hand in what's the, what's the expression? Hand part, in f- part and parcel, or I don't know. It goes along hand in with. Glove. It goes along with the Nintendo's entry into the uh, cell phone market with Dina and 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 uh, making potentially making um, more money that way, and and it was just announced that Nintendo's back to making a profit. So, and I'm happy because I love Nintendo. I want them to be around a long time. I know, you know, a lot of people get sour on Nintendo, but you know, it's not the only thing I play. But I like that it's there, and I like that it'll be there for my little girl growing up. It offers her a lot of neat experiences and I just do think that Nintendo and its colorful series of mascots and characters are super well suited for a theme park um, and, and and attractions like I would totally be into that yeah I think uh, I think it's it's one of those things that you kind of think why haven't they had this sooner I mean Nintendo it's not n- new that Nintendo has been popular even though I guess like a lot of the stuff you read in headlines lately is how they're on the decline, there is a lot of goodwill towards a lot of the Nintendo uh, pantheon of of characters and sort of I don't know what you call them like they're not their trademarks, but you know the the, the there's a brand recognition thing there and it's kind of cutesy. It's a it's a they're always Nintendo is a company that has always been family focused. And theme parks are like family places. It's not; they're not really adult playgrounds. Like, I don't know if someone, if Epic Games were to make a theme park, you probably wouldn't bring your kids to it. It'd be full of locusts and railguns. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm not a big theme park person, so you know, I haven't Dude, made the the trip yeah. out to Disneyland. So I'm kind of ambivalent. But uh, fair game. I mean, go ahead, Nintendo. Although, so, so if there was a Nintendo ride. What like a ride, not like a guy walking around in a Mario costume. What franchise would you like to see oh. with its own ride? Um, that's a lot a, of a lot of people have said Mario Kart go karts and stuff like that. That's a good suggestion. Yeah, yeah, but I I think that's low hanging fruit. There's got to be like think of you think know. Of, oh, I know, I know. Like some sort of Donkey Kong Country deal because Donkey Kong Country is one of my favorite Nintendo games ever. Oh, yeah. And With like those barrels that shoot you out. Yeah, barrels flipping around, shooting out of them. And there's also a really hard like um, minecart level that would oh, totally man. be a ride. <laughs> like, Yeah, so, for sure. That's an awesome one. The only thing that would be bad about it is or difficult to implement is that that game is insanely hard at some points where you have to like get the jumping just right so i would expect a ride to make me feel so absolutely close to death all the time i i would like uh i would like a mario through the mushroom kingdom type ride like uh that would like sort of take you to different places i think it would be neat if they could work some sort of warp zone mechanic in it too i don't know that (laughs) that like you could you could like skip apart or go left instead of going right i don't know i assume i I assume the tunnels would be the big green pipes yeah oh yeah like those would be everywhere yeah there's a lot of it that would really translate uh, translate well. Another thing is like I love the F Zero uh, racing games, okay, and I, yeah. I I could see there being like a, a an F Zero roller coaster or, or like a one of those ones like Space Mountain where you're just zooming through this like neon light tunnel. I think that'd be cool. I think I think I think there's a lot of great stuff. I can't even imagine what it was, but Donkey Kong Country for me for sure. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, all right. So uh, next up on the list, uh, The Witcher Three lets you have sex on a unicorn. 
<laughs> that's the that's what we're talking about. That's the story. That's the headline. Well, um, actually, I'm not sure how we're presenting the story anymore. But like, uh, there was a Conan O'Brien reviews video on it, and included in that was uh, was a unicorn. <laughs> like the the ultimate ending of that review thing was, um, you know, Conan. Really, you know, if you've seen any of his reviews, he doesn't know how to play games. I think he does and acts like it because it's his shtick, but maybe he doesn't really. But um, the promise of sexual intercourse in the video game was something he latched onto early on and just kept harping on and harping on. And he finally achieved uh, victory or resolution uh, towards the end of this YouTube review video when, um, the you know, he was about to have sex. Uh, with a female on the unicorn, but they didn't show it, of course. In the- so you're just making a giant plug for Conan O'Brien's Clueless Gamer here. How much is he paying you, Bo? Uh, um, I signed an NDA. I can't discuss yeah, it. You <laughs> son of a bitch. If there's one thing I want to talk about with The Witcher, it's the fact that, um, that some people have broken street dates uh, in some retailers uh, and have been gun selling The Witcher, which isn't supposed to come out for a week yet. And uh, now in this new age that we live in, people are streaming it online, like doing the, the Twitch thing. And um, this is something that when, when street dates were broken before, people didn't really think about this. This is a new issue. And so they're having to crack down on all these streamers, which is uh, which I mean like, Bo, if you want to watch your unicorn sex videos, uh, you can do that now. But you'll be partaking in illegal activity. If you wait a week, you'll be able to see your unicorn sex very legally. Well, well it's not illegal for me to do it. It's illegal for – or it's not – I don't even know if it's illegal like – like, because if you get a if if uh, Fallout Four falls into your lap right now and you get it, I'm I mean, you know, if somebody legitimately sold it to you and messed up, you're under no obligation to not stream it. Although you know the company, I suppose, has their their um, terms of service, which may. You know, well, that's it. People... Twitch Twitch has put out a disclosure. Right. They've said like you are not to stream this game or whatever. So I think the companies just get in get in touch with the streaming providers or whatever. Maybe your Twitch account would get banned or something along those lines, yeah. right? And, like, I, and maybe even in some circumstances, depending on who you are, the producers of the game could, you know, go after you for damages. Because, you know, there there, there, there is a reason to have a release date. They have deal exclusivity deals with game <laughs> review companies to release certain footage prior to the release date. So... It's a business issue, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day. And I think it does undermine how I think people who create things have a right to decide how they're going to bring it to the public. And then the conversation's different once it's released into the wild about streaming and sharing and all that kind of thing. But, you know, if the chef is cooking in the kitchen, don't sneak in and take a bite of his food. Wait till he serves it for dinner. It went, one thing that's funny about that is I was always the impression, you know, video game release dates, they're always so nebulous. They're not announced like a year in advance, like movies are or whatever. You, you, you never know when they're going to come out. And they're often delayed and all. I always was of the impression that the games were, were almost – you know, being finished the day before you you buy them, uh, and so this is interesting to me because it means that The Witcher Three like is ready to go and and be played and all this, but we have to wait you know an extra week uh, based on release date uh, and maybe distribution and this sort of thing. But 
it is it is kind of annoying in that regard. Like if you were really looking forward to The Witcher, knowing that it's out but you can't play it, it's got to be a huge kick in the Johnson. Yeah, some somebody's going to be in trouble. <laughs> However, that mistake happened, you know, somebody's paying for it as we speak, and they may. Uh, even pay for it with permadeath. <laughs> uh, I I don't know where I was going with that. That's, but bought... that's my least favorite kind of death. No, the permadeath. <laughs> so esports and permadeath are now in the dictionary. So dictionary.com has announced Sweet. its latest wave of editions. Tons of new words. Uh, many, as is the case every year now, related to technology. Um, smartwatch, uh, black hat, Esports completionist permadeath, and uh, it is it is funny because um, I do wonder when these words are introduced how long their lifespans are, if or if they will live forever, or if they will be replaced replaced by new words. Like, is esports going to be something that people say in fifty years, or is it is it just a passing? Uh, fad, not esports themselves, but, no, the, but term, the term, you know. Yeah, or, I think it's it, esports in particular is kind of like, like extreme sports. Like it's it's partly a marketing strategy to position it as something distinct and special in some way from other things. So I could see that one going away if it becomes normal or if it becomes obsolete or we just doing VR esports now. So it'd be VR sports. <laughs> I could see. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, I'm glad to see – honestly, anytime gaming breaks into the mainstream, becomes more accepted. We grew up in an age where gaming was just taking hold and, and geeks and nerds were somewhat ostracized where now they've taken over the world. You look at what's in the movie theaters. You look at what's on TV. It's all geek and nerd stuff and um, – and I, I'm glad to see this stuff anyway. I, I'm, I'm glad these words are being added and hopefully we'll see more game-related words in the future added to the dictionary. To me, the most niche is permadeath because it it's seems true. like a contradiction in terms. It's like strictly game jargon. Yeah. And But completionist is the most universal because you can be a completion. Like completionist probably refers to achievements or all possible experience in one given game experience. But you can be a completionist about uh, cleaning your house. <laughs> like, it's yeah. kind of interesting that word never existed before. Yeah. I find that surprising. Yeah, but uh, it's now part of our English language officially. Sweet. All right, so I'm moving on. Where am I moving on to? Are we done uh, readme.txt? We are. Or? I think we're getting close to done, but there is one little thing I want to bring up, and we'll talk like yeah. 20 seconds on it. But uh, there's a guy, uh, there's an article on PC Gamer about a guy who spent $3,200 on Hearthstone packs in one night. <laughs> That's a lot of money. Yeah, it is a lot of money. Uh, I would like to kick him in the Johnson, but... The one thing I will say is there's rich people out there and they don't when, – when it comes to stuff like video games, there's not like – aside from buying the you know Call of Duty extra exclusive gold-plated super version that might cost you 300, 200, 300 bucks, there's not really much that would differentiate like a super rich user from the rest of us, right? So like, well, $3,200 on Hearthstone packs in one night sounds crazy. That could be chump change to someone, right? 
Yeah, no, it's true. And um, arguably, if he just needed a copy of all the cards currently in the game, he probably could have done it for about maybe four or five hundred max, um, just strictly through purchases. But he, what about legendaries? He want, he, like... Yeah, legendaries too, because you can break down your extras and craft what you need. Oh, that's right. So what he's going after are the gold cards, which they all cost like exponentially more like i think if you want a regular card it's like 10 dust but or it's 40 dust to create but if you want like a gold one it's like 100 or more for it so, so it's can like, you so can you create gold cards you can but they're very expensive i know that for a fact the legendaries are 3200 dust and i know that's meaningless like if you don't play hearthstone but yeah. uh it's a lot it's a lot of cards it, it's so. funny it's funny though because he spent thirty two hundred dollars that's the exact amount of dust you just said it takes to make a golden legendary illuminati confirmed <laughs> <laughs> half-life three confirmed um all right all right that wraps her up yeah let's uh let's move along to a um oh my computer's going crazy a little thing we call games per minute you're always talking about making kids' minds like vegetables. Talk about them out on the street, smoking pot. This is games per minute. How do you feel about cutting his head off? Come on. Yeah, it's fun to cut heads off. All right, so uh, Crofton, you like to play video games. I do, Bo. What have I... you been playing this week? Well, see, I'm going to sound a bit like a broken record here, but I think it's for fair reasons. And I said last week I would talk more about this. I'm playing Xenoblade Chronicles 3DS on my new 3DS. I haven't had much time for gaming this week, which is always sad. But, you know, young child, work, whatever, life stuff. I managed to fit Xenoblade in, um, and I'm glad I did. I hit a little bit of a hump with it fairly early on. And this is the thing with these JRPGs that I've forgotten. Not all RPGs are somewhat like this. Sometimes it takes a long time for them to introduce game mechanics because the game is like hundreds of hours with like bonus content up the yin-yang or whatever. <laughs> so they 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 really take a while. So I was kind of disappointed at the beginning of the game with stuff. Like it had got such good reviews and things like the combat system and um, I don't know, like I, while the world was creative, there was just – there's a lot of JRPG tropes and stuff that were kind of a little bit eye-rolling. I touched on that a bit last week. But a lot of that is ironed out in the past week. So they've added new features to combat. It's gotten a lot more comprehensive. I understand how it works a lot better. I like it a lot better. Um, and the they've already circumvented some tropes. And uh, there's I don't want to ruin any story beats, but there's something that happened uh, fairly early on that genuinely surprised me. So because of that, I'm 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 quite I'm quite into it. Uh, I don't want the next you know ten podcast games per minute section to be the Croft and Xenoblade Chronicles update. <laughs> uh, because honestly, I know I'm not far. I know I'm not far in the game, and and I know I got a long a long ways to go. And I know that every week I'll be like, oh, I'm still playing Xenoblade, and that's good. It means I didn't quit it. You know, but that's like it's part of like why we started the podcast. You know, because we get together every now and then talk about the games, anyways, and we thought people would be interested in what we had to say. But you know, there was a period of time when you're playing Shadows over Mordor that you know we talked about it three or four times. So I think it's, it's all good. Yeah, yeah and. Uh, 
so in, to that extent, I will just say uh, where I'm at in Xenoblade Chronicles is I'm, I'm at that part in a JRPG or any RPG where you've essentially been in an intro area. Uh, they, they've, they've had you have an adventure in that area or whatever. You meet the cast of characters. There's a big, a bunch of stuff that happens. And then there's that moment where you kind of walk into the open world. I call it the leaving Midgar uh, moment in Final Fantasy VII. And in Final Fantasy VII, um, when you leave Midgar and the whole world's out there, they actually melt like you, you're in Midgar for one CD-ROM worth of, of stuff. There's a lot that happens there. This time you're not, in Xenoblade Chronicles, you're not in your hometown as long as that, but it still has that same effect where you walk out and you're like, holy crap, the whole, there's a lot of places I can go. There's a lot of stuff to see. Now it's really opened up. And so uh, I'm enthused to see where it's, uh, where it's going to go. I'm still annoyed and by the fact that I'm playing it on a portable system. What? Uh it it it's uh it feels like it it deserves a bigger screen and the only bigger version is the Wii version and uh, the Wii version as I mentioned in the previous podcast very expensive very hard to find and um, and you know like a Wii is a Wii is a Wii it's not um, it's hard to connect doesn't look great on HD TVs all that sort of stuff so I'm hoping that maybe. On the Wii U or on a future Nintendo console, they do, they might do an HD remix or remaster of it, and uh, and then then people can maybe it'll find an even bigger audience. I was impatient to play it, so I'm glad I'm I'm glad I'm playing it on 3DS. But sometimes it does annoy me the size of the text and the size of everything. Yeah, that's a hard decision to make to try and hold out to see if there's going to be a. Uh, a remake for another console on a bigger screen um but uh if it's anything like the final fantasy games we'll be waiting a long time for for it so i think you're good just to go ahead and play it um i, I just wanted to also mention that i love that feeling in a game when you feel like the whole world is before you like it's full of potential like that that moment that part of like a gameplay experience when you're like oh you know is, is really i can go exciting. anywhere yeah i can go anywhere yeah. there's so much to do and I'm so eager to engage and see what's out there. Um, when a game does that, it is truly special because a lot of games, you know, don't don't hit that note. You know, and that's what that's what uh, the Elder Scrolls games they've always, you know, they they run for that moment as soon as possible. I remember Oblivion. You're in a jail at the beginning, very short period of time. You escape the jail, then you come out the sewer grate, and boom. Yeah. You're in this wonderful world, and then and then uh, in Skyrim, it's the same deal. You're you're uh, in a little bit of scripted beginning, and then boom, you're in this this world, and it is really awesome. Uh, and uh, what's great about JRPGs is the characters are are people. They're not avatars. They're essentially they have their personalities, all that sort of stuff. So uh, it is fun seeing them react to this giant world as well. So I'm I'm still into it. I'm still into it, Bo. Are you into a new game this week? Or uh, no? And I kind of meant to when we were initially planning this. I was like, oh, I got a I've got a couple of games on Steam. I'm going to try, but uh, I won't spoil what they are because I didn't play them. Um, I've been playing Heroes of the Storm pretty much all week. Uh, I know I mentioned on last week's show that I got an opportunity to play with the uh, hosts of Into the Nexus and and exper- uh, Garrett Garrett and Kyle over there, and I got to play with Scott Johnson on the Experience Points podcast. Thanks to thanks to the ITN people, but um, 
you know, since then, uh, Scott <laughs> mentioned me on the morning stream as a news item. It, like, that was uh, a pretty exciting moment for me because I've been listening to the morning stream for a long time. And I was extremely flattered that they even think I'm a good player in Heroes of the Storm because... I mean, I must be, but I don't usually play with people, so I don't get a lot of feedback on how well I'm doing. I just have some fun and go for it. It's and, hard to know that stuff, yeah. eh? In the, in this day and age, it's hard to know if you're good because there's always someone better. Like when I was playing Goldeneye in Res in in, uh, in a in a dorm, I was the like I cleaned out the dorm. I was the best Goldeneye player. That was one of the two games I've ever been really good at, and I had people I could compare to. Now there's probably people out there that were way better than me, but I would never know them on the internet there's always somebody better than you so it's hard to judge yeah well when you're when you're talking about like matchmaking in um you know like online games now it's like you're paired up with lots of different people and you know i get wrecked like people like and it's not just especially in a game like that you might be like oh bad teammates i blame them you know like i know when like i can tell when a player is like clearly uh, able to outclass me in like you know combat or thinking about strategically winning the game, so I'm hugely flattered by it. And um, you know I've been invited to play games with Scott Kurtz and his brother and his wife and his friends, um, and that's been a lot of fun. It's just a huge honor to be playing games with them. So that's all I've been doing all week is you know this new influx of uh, you know people to play with, and I've been playing with them, and I kind of don't want to go back to playing solo cukes. It's so much fun playing with all these great gamers and yeah um, no kidding yeah. And, and i totally can see that and it's cool rubbing shoulders with the podcasting and webcomic illuminati uh but i mean elite not the, the Illum- or, do i Bo? Uh, do i really you think they uh, secretly control the world maybe what have i gotten myself into they have a lot of followers <laughs> on twitter they're led by justin bieber um so the the thing is the thing is though uh, I watched a little clip in the morning stream and um, uh, I, where they mentioned you and I thought what Scott Johnson said made me um, made me think and that was about uh, how he hasn't had fun like like playing heroes since and he used the example for him of like the old Quake you know Quake 2 or something I don't know he used to a game that meant a lot to him like he hasn't had an online experience in which that he enjoyed it playing with friends for many many years and I think like I mentioned Goldeneye uh, I've mentioned Jedi Knight in a past podcast. Uh, games that have me- meant a lot to me in terms of multiplayer and in terms of because I'm primarily a single player gamer and I think a lot of people are and and uh, so there's something about heroes uh, that's clearly echoing with him and and I think with a lot of people in terms of in terms of uh, providing a, a, a rewarding multiplayer experience. Well, I will say if you are playing in groups with people you know, um, you can coordinate. And do things that are way more fun that you can't do with random people that you don't you can just text chat with. Um, you know, at one point we were scoring bingo, which was we'd all hide in various bushes and just wait, 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 wait for the enemy and just uh, hundred to zero, like zero out the entire team within three or four seconds. And to do stuff like that, you have to do it in coordinated teams on voice chat, and it feels real good to stomp opponents. So it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> And uh, man, you need to you know get in on some heroes action with us because uh, honestly, it's starting to get uh, it's starting to get pretty persuasive. If I just the thing the thing is, I don't you know having that time as well, and everybody else has got to be on at that time, and 
and it can be uh, it can be difficult to to find it, especially doing this podcast, doing good bad bullshit, right? So we want to. Uh, I, I'm going to try at one point. I'm I'm convinced I'm going to try it. I, I I liked heart. I held out on Hearthstone a long time, and then when I eventually caved, I liked that. So I, I have no doubt it'll be the same with Heroes. All right, and I guess just before I wrap up my bit on on Heroes, I. If any, if any, just in case any of them are listening, I do want to thank Garrett Weinzerl, Kyle Ferguson, Scott Kurtz, Brian Kurtz, Angie, uh, Scott Johnson, just for um, you know Hakito as well, and uh, the guys at Azeroth Roundtable for including me in their games and having me be a part of their their heroes experience. It's like made my heroes experience a hundred times better, and I'm already a big fan of the game, so. Um, it's been real fun. <laughs> and, you know, uh, I, I was on Experience Points again last weekend. I hope we have some hero games on next weekend, and you might catch me on the NVIDIA stream playing more heroes. Just uh, listen to him. He's giggling <laughs> like a friggin' schoolgirl. All right, enough fangirling on my part. He's uh, fangirling like crazy here. Hello there, Bo here. Uh, Just a quick little ad break to let you guys know about another great podcast that uh, is a part of our podcast family called Good, Bad, or Bullshit. Three guys, Bo, Michael, and Crofton, select a topic at random using the random topic generator and debate whether it's Good, Bad, or Bullshit. If you like this, I know you'll like Good, Bad, or Bullshit. Subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher or visit our site goodbadbull.com for more information. And now, without further ado, I'm going to return you to our regular programming of the Exclamation Mark Podcast. Let's uh, let's uh, go into the forest and find us, uh, you know, something worthy of cutting down. All right. Now that there's one fine dialogue tree. It's a dialogue tree. They're the best kind of trees to cut down, and they're good for making uh, buffets. That's what they're called. Those, yeah, conversational buffets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, you know, people like to talk on tables. So, and tables are generally made out of wood. And in video games, there are dialogue options referred to as dialogue trees, and that's how we have this section. And today's topic in the dialogue tree would be. HD remakes and new gen remasters. So take your favorite old classic game and give it a fresh cone of paint, some new textures, maybe some new sound effects, and sell it for... It's usually a bit cheaper than what it it was originally sold. (laughs) All right, so I've done enough hamming up of that introduction. (laughs) Let's talk about it. Um, Yeah, okay. Where do we start? it's well. First off, it it it's kind of apropos because uh, they just announced today. Uh, we didn't cover it in the news, but it's really not that big news. That there's going to be um, an HD remaster of Dishonored, which was uh, one of those uh, of Dishonored. Yeah, did the game just come out? <laughs> but see, that's wow. that. It didn't. It didn't just come. See, it's funny because time goes by fast. I think wow. it came out. In, I think it came out in 2011. But like, like. The Last of Us, which which I have both versions of, came out one year, and then the next year there was an HD. There was a there was a a remake or a, yeah. a remaster, if you will. That's the term remaster, right? Because what it is is it's it essentially um, it takes takes 
games that were released last generation of consoles. And this is where it's less relevant for the PC market, but last generation of consoles and with the assumption that many people won't have the the old consoles uh, but will have the new one because the PlayStation 4, for instance, is selling like hotcakes. They want to release the same game except on the PlayStation 4. But they also want not just people who missed it to buy it, but people who had already bought it, who were big fans of it. And so they try to find ways to improve it. Now, when they went from PlayStation 2 to PlayStation 3, it became HD remakes was the thing. It was like, make yeah. things HD. God of War 1 and 2, bam, HD them up. You know, Shadow of the Colossus, HD, 720p, whatever. People, people ate that shit up and they released a lot of them. I thought for sure that wasn't going to happen this time because we're going from an HD console to an HD console. But they're going from like, oh, this game was 720p, now it's 1080p. It was 30 frames a second, now it's 60 frames a second. Uh, maybe we added some extra reflections to puddles or some shit like that, right? <laughs> um, yeah. it, all the DLC comes with it. And it's like it's like a... Uh, and in my opinion, sort of an excuse to release the very best of last generation on this generation. Um, and it's feeling, it's starting to feel in quite a bit like cash grab. Well, I, I think it, I think that's like a fair criticism of a lot of this kind of stuff. Cause I, I can't believe there's a dishonor. I bought Dishonored for full price. I was really excited about the game. And I haven't gotten around to playing it yet. I think I played the first... You should, it's awesome. I played the first mission or so, and I I just wasn't in the mood for a stealth game, I think. Or, you know, I'd played Deus Ex, and I was used to the stealth in that, and this was different. So I was like, oh, I'll file it away and play it a little later. Never got back to it. And now there's already an HD remake? Like, I haven't played the other one. Um, and some games, rather than do HD remakes, just like, well, I guess not many games do this, but I know Skyrim at a later date, added higher resolution textures and things like that to the game. It, yeah, Sky, Skyrim is almost a toolkit game in the sense that they releasing a... But like Skyrim, for instance, released on... The, and I expect any day now to see a new console release of Skyrim because Skyrim released on Xbox 360 and PS3. The PS3 was notoriously broken. Like it was really a was bad... a problem with the save files and yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It was really, you know... Everybody knew PC was where you played that game for the most part. Um, but... There's a lot of people that don't PC game, and uh, I feel that the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4 is probably going to see um, a, a beefed-up version of Skyrim or a Skyrim that more closely resembles maybe like the HD version on PC. Uh, be, it ha wouldn't surprise me if it was announced at this E3. Um, Bethesda has their own press conference this year. But... Uh, I think that, and I think that they're doing this for all these these hot hot games. Like so, Batman, Arkham City, and I think Arkham Asylum. They're getting HD remake or HD remakes. What does that mean? They were already HD. It means probably uh, higher. Like, and if you're not playing on PC, if you're playing on PC, you probably had graphical settings you could beef up. But this is they're, they're probably just going to give the high end PC version. For new gen console owners, um, and there's so few games coming out for the new gen consoles. Like the PS4 gets maybe one major release a month, and uh, often, often not even that. 
and it takes so much money and so much time to make these games. It's like they're filling the months that they don't have stuff, or they're padding with these with these uh, with these remakes. So it's getting it's getting a little crazy. Yeah, like I'm I'm not. I feel like if you missed the game or you didn't play it, and they're offering an you know uh, an inc- incremental value for a game like it's slightly better graphics or works on a later gen system. Like that seems fine. Like it, it seems good that they include that in their product line. And if it's filling up spots, like I don't have a reaction to that. Um, but I, I, I kind of do feel like you know for PC gaming, you know, Wasteland Two, which was something we didn't talk about. They're releasing the Game of the Year edition uh, soon, and it's a free update for people who've already bought the game. And and a lot of these remasters, and I do even level. Um, a bit of criticism at the Deus Ex uh, game of the is it game of the year edition or Final Cut or something like that. Director's cut. Director's cut. Like they wanted an extra twenty bucks. Now they did offer discounts to people um, who owned it on Steam, but still, I mean, I shouldn't. I don't know that I feel like I should have to give them money because all they did was put the DLC and the game together, fix some bugs. Like there's value in there, but they're still charging like fifty percent of what the cost was and maybe they should just give it to me for free Um, yeah there's definite lines like getting new gamers in that's good but if somebody's already laid down 60 bucks for your game maybe you should be rewarding them somehow i i i see what you're i see what you're saying there i also would like to draw the the difference between what i call re what what game remakes are and, and remasters because remakes when if they take a game and they they totally they totally redo it they like um, they they re-record maybe voice acting. They do redo the graphics. They boost it up. They you know that's that's something totally different. Like I have no problem uh, shelling out for some of the classics redone. Um, I could totally see myself doing that. Uh, the remasters are what drive me nuts when they they mo- moderately improve uh, a game. And then there's games like Final Fantasy X which fall kind of in between where it was released on the PS2. They've essentially done a super enhanced remaster for HD consoles and for the Vita where it's like it, they haven't remade the game, but they've upped everything to sort of HD quality and re- redone some of the faces and some of the, the landscapes and all that to, to look really nice. So it's, it's halfway between a remake and, and an, an, a remaster. And I'm okay with those. Again, there's a lot of TLC that went into making those. I think they redid the music. They did. They did a lot. So that's that's okay. Um, Grand Theft Auto Five. They released within a year to uh, a new version of Grand Theft Auto Five on the new gen consoles. That was a bit cheeky, but it did have added functionality in a first person mode that was very very impressive. So, I mean, maybe. That's okay. It's it it's it's a fine it's a fine line. Uh, but it's starting. It's you know it's starting to seem a bit like shovelware and it's starting to drive me nuts. Yeah, it's it's hard to make that. You can't. I don't think you can blanket make a statement like that about all the games because GTA Five is a is a game that probably going to have a longer life cycle. So people, you know, if you bought a new console and now it's available on the new console and it has updated stuff on it, then that's great. I think where it does a disservice is to the people who were there for you on day one. You know, what do they get? They get nothing. And that's that's the part I kind of don't like about some of these quick turnarounds on remasters and stuff. I feel like people who... 
pre-ordered the game or who were there to support the company on day one need to get need to not be forgotten when these you know short turnaround you know, hd remakes and remasters uh, come about they know that's a good point Bo. that's really good and and they know what they're doing and what you said about extending the life cycle of a game that's off like the gta 5 example they just released the pc version people were begging for a pc version to be even announced yeah. when the ps3 and xbox 360 version came out sold like crazy yeah. they 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 knew they knew exactly what they were going to do they were going to re- wait a year release the ps4 and xbox one version wait another six months and then release the pc version with the modding capability and all that so they extended the interest they extended the life of their game but they also got people double or triple dipping spending 60 bucks three times on the same game and that's douchey yeah but it's part of the world we live in too now because you know owning the news cycle like that like get it raising that kind of awareness if you uh I, well, I want to say, you know, just eject everything all at once. Then there's lead up, the game's released, then no one cares. The fact that there's all these DLCs for the major titles, there's re-releases, there's releases for new versions staggered at different times, means they get to be a top story on the new, on gaming news sites. Means people, they have a reason for people to engage in Twitter hashtags and conversations. Um, so I, that's part of their strategy, and I just think consumers have to be aware of what they're getting and it's the reason why on steam i wait around for sales for most of my games unless it's a company that has a reputation i trust um you know i'm not going to purchase things right away yeah if you can get away from day one purchases you're doing yourself a favor i you know some of them are good but other ones i want to kick them in the hashtag johnson (laughs) okay you should have just said hashtag just kick them in the hashtag i don't we don't know what that is um but i am a big fan of h uh the HD remakes when a game is old. Right. So like, you know, home I haven't tried Homeworld. I'm I've never played the original one. So the but the fact that they released that on Steam makes me excited because a lot of people have fond memories of it and I'd definitely like to try it out. I'm waiting for a sale. I want to buy it for like three dollars. <laughs> I may, I missed out on that when it first came out too. I didn't have a computer that could run the original version, but that's a good example of one that's gotten very well. It's been very well received critically, and you know, I'd be, I'd be open to that too. And those ones I have less of a problem with. When it comes to game preservation, I'm, I'm you know, I, I'm a lot more lenient. It's really when it seems like the quick cash grab. And Bo, you, your point about. Um, can the day one buyers getting hosed the most? I find like there's danger when you buy like a new iPhone or something like that as a day one consumer, but there shouldn't be that danger when you're buying video games. In fact, like you're you're supposed to be rewarded with these pre-order bonuses and all this stuff, right? Yeah. You shouldn't be you shouldn't be screwed for being an early adopter in games. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The other thing I will say too that needs a mention here because it's kind of notorious, but the Square Enix games, like the Final Fantasies that get re-released on iOS, they are way overpriced. They are—I can't believe they get away with yeah, that. Yeah, there's I, there's uh, there's interviews with Square Enix execs and stuff online, and they are extremely tone deaf w- with regards to the pricing structure um, of of their iOS releases. They just don't seem to understand. I read one interview and it was uh, it was pretty funny because it was like the guy is like, well, this game was released for ninety dollars on the Super Nintendo or whatever. 
Um, and we're only we're releasing an enhanced version for only twenty dollars on a portable device. But it's like it when when yeah, it's 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 ignorant to the pricing realities of the iOS, what people are wanting to pay, and the fact that society has changed and what we're demanding out of our games has changed as well. So I don't know. I did buy one of them, so I feel like I feel like the reason why they're tone deaf is because they are making sales. But I don't yeah, know I'm sure they are yeah. making some. All right. I don't know if you have anything more to add on the subject of remakes. No, I thought I think yeah, you made me yeah. think of some stuff there, but like uh, they're they're going to keep coming, and you know maybe I'll buy the occasional one, yeah. but more more remakes, less remasters. I'm okay with that. Um, meanwhile, there is uh, a recommendation that this conversation has made me think of. So maybe we should move into the next section of the show. What's it called again? Inventory management is a challenging and inexact science. It's called inventory management, 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 management. Oh, yes. Yeah. The, this is the part of the show where we answer the question, spend your cash or vendor trash. trash? Now, I'm going to go right into what I was about to say, which uh, which is the first time I really kind of go with the vendor trash side of this <laughs> equation. Sweet. Um, yeah, like it's more of a, 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 a recommendation that that I hope people abide by uh, more often than not, which is to not pre-order things. And I know to some of you who may be listening will be like, "Oh yeah, thank God." Um, I totally agree because there is a giant don't pre-order movement that's starting, or a don't order a don't pre-order movement that's starting. But there's a lot of you out there that probably think like, well, why wouldn't I pre-order? I'm going to get that new sweet hat for my assassin in Assassin's Creed or a new costume for Batman in, in, in the new Batman game. The, the, whole, the whole idea of, of pre-orders for retailers, especially brick-and-mortar retailers, is that they were able to say, hey, we're going to have this many copies so we, need, we know um, to order this many for sales at launch and that sort of thing so we don't end up with a whole bunch of extra copies and bury them in the Nevada desert or – have not enough copies and like have to say, okay, it's going to take, you know, another week of resupply and that sort of thing. It allows them to, in theory, balance their, their, their shipping. As things move more digital, um, that excuse flies out the window. So if you're buying something on Steam or you're buying something on the PlayStation Network, all that sort of thing, you don't need – they, they want you to pre-order because you're slapping down your money right off. Um, and you're choosing to buy with them, so as opposed to going to one of their competitors, that's another thing. So you might get a pre-order bonus that's exclusive to Walmart, exclusive to Best Buy, exclusive to the PlayStation Network, exclusive to Xbox Live, whatever. So they want you to. It, they're giving you these little carrots, uh, but none of those things are really, really that great. Nobody's offering anything amazing, and the reality is that you. They're making you commit to something that you don't even know if it's good yet. And I'm not saying be reliant on critics all the time. I'm just saying, um, I'm I'm just saying wait a bit and just see what the internet, that giant hive mind, has to say about the game 
when it comes out before you blow your sixty before you blow your sixty bucks. Because if they keep getting these giant pre-order numbers going, they're just going to keep releasing crap, and you're and all of us are going to keep getting screwed. Yeah. So my recommendation of the week is don't pre-order. <laughs> you know, another recommendation too is to go to Twitch and see what's the game releases. There's all like if the game has any hype, it's probably being streamed on twitch so you can actually see what the game looks like if you don't have someone else's house to go to it's kind of useful in the um, olden days and, you could rent games yeah well you know i yeah you can't rent them anywhere anymore right like well i i think Steam there's doesn't do rentals i don't think i think there's, there's services rentals. where you can order online or, or try there's all sorts of gaming services there are demos available of some games watching a video of it doesn't give you a sense of what it's like to play it necessarily and feel it in your That's hands true. well i you know i'm still like the thing I don't like about pre-order is like the financial sense because pre-orders are all about having your money early so to, to make extra money on interest because if they have your money, then they're the ones getting the interest from the bank, not you. Not that your bank is necessarily in some interest rate like account, but these are things businesses think about that you and I don't think about in our daily lives. The one exception I make to my don't pre-order rule, and this isn't across the board, but sometimes Steam, when you when you pre-order a game with steam uh, and they'll they'll be kind of transparent on how how their pre-orders are doing and it, it leads to different reward tiers and sometimes those reward tiers include entire other games like i when i pre-ordered xcom the remake uh on steam one of the few games i ever pre-ordered it came with a free copy of bioshock and uh, a whole free game or a whole game that they're giving to you it's a virtual where did you thing, get Civ? So. You got Civ Five for free, didn't you? Because I got not... Civ, yeah, I got Civ Five for free as well. I pre-ordered something. They, they had a Civ. really interesting pre-order actually planned. Now that you bring it up, because they, um, uh, what did they do? There was like pre-order goals. Like if X amount of people pre-ordered, you got this, and if even more people pre-ordered, you got that. They, they don't. They haven't been doing those as much lately. I I, I, and them. yeah, and I don't uh, like. See, the thing is, I would only. I'm and maybe I'm a jerk like this. I would only pre-order if they made all the goals already, uh, and then I would be like, I'm going to get free stuff. Okay, yeah. but I'm. I'm so not, you're telling uh, all those people to stop pre-ordering. So when they do stuff like that, you're, you're screwing yourself. <laughs> potentially, but I think it'd be better for everyone if this pre-order phase kind of down you know yeah. cooled down a little bit we'll have to talk about pre-orders and what the hell early access is on another episode because sure. early access is sort of another form of pre-order oh uh, do you have a, a game that you can recommend i feel like i've i've yeah we talked about sort of well, a downer it, it felt like a rant you wanted to go on about pre-orders <laughs> and one last thing to add to the pre-order conversation i pre-ordered the new duke nukem game and boy if there was if I've what, ever, new, there's a new Duke Nukem game. Well, no, at the time it was new, like whatever the latest one was. Well, oh Duke no, Nukem you don't, Forever. I pre-ordered oh, that for sixty dollars. Oh, I know. Bo, bo. If there's ever one way to flush money, like I've ever literally flushed money down the toilet, it um, it was that game. It was I wish I could unbearable. go back. I wish I could go back in time and kick you right in the Johnson. <laughs> Johnson's like the word of the day today. We should do word of the day. Um, anyways. No. Uh, <laughs> Well, here's another word. The word is banished. Um, for my recommendation, the uh, whether you should spend your cash or, or vendor trash, I recommend spending your cash on banished um, with a little asterisk, uh, meaning that you should watch some videos and find out some information about the game before you play. But uh, Aeon Magazine, which is not a gaming magazine, I guess it's we have a, our co-host on the Good, Bad, or Bullshit podcast, Michael's a cultural fellow, 
and there was some sort of interest piece on the game and how it he was. He wears a beret. <laughs> there was um, there was an article about how you know games can be like art or be reflective of life and bring up social issues or just be there for learning. And we all know that Minecraft is a big example of a game that's fairly ubiquitous now and is taught in schools. But this game in particular, there are no aliens there's no laser guns there's no dragons there's nothing fantastic or from a fantasy world or science fiction world at all it's pioneers settling in the harsh wilderness as pioneers have done before us and maybe there are even pioneers now somewhere in the world and how um basically you know if you don't feed your kids and feed your people they die and if you put things too far away from each other they die and if you don't have clothes to keep you warm in the winter, guess what happens? I'm going to guess that you die. You die. And and you have to manage all the the community. And so, like, if you have too many kids and a lot, uh, very few adults, you can't produce enough food to keep them fed. And if you have a lot of adults and no kids and you build up this um, environment that requires a lot of people to maintain well eventually you know people start dying and then you don't have enough kids to fill those roles and then you die out so uh you know what this sounds like did you ever play the oregon trail growing up no i've heard tell a lot of the legend of oregon trail and i've been meaning to try because it, it seems like an important part of gaming history but i haven't played it well you get dysentery and then you <laughs> die <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it's, you know, basically that. There's nothing fantastic. There are no NPCs to interact with. It's kind of menu the game, and I generally hate menu the games because a lot of what you do is in menus. But it's very fun. It's it's like a permadeath game. It's unrelentless. If you die, you die. Oh, no, you have save games, so permadeath is an inappropriate word for that. But um, it's harsh, and I highly recommend it. So go check out Banished if you want uh, a game that'll, you know... Um, make you extremely discouraged but if discouragement is the kind of thing that only fuels your drive to do better uh, and you take failure as a teacher then it's a game you'll really enjoy actually so like like the souls game and bloodborne and all that really yeah. kick your ass but dark souls like being i need to give dark souls another try but dark souls like death is a part of the game in dark souls you don't die and have to start the game over from the beginning in in banished you do have save games but like most of the time you screwed yourself so far into history that's produced the outcome that you've had that you generally want to start a new game a lot of the time so how do you win the game there's no end um you you can achieve there's achievements so uh you know winning the game might be creating a settlement with 500 adults or 500 citizens but there's no end consequently when you die when all of your citizens die there's no game over screen it just game just keeps running <laughs> like you just have to start a new game like it's 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 very Sounds a bit like sim city a bit yeah but sim city's like sim city's helpful this game this game is like <laughs> this, this game is very serene looking but it's actually quite brutal like that's that's part of its beauty and i think that's why an article got written on it because of that sort of contradiction in the game and we'll share the article on uh through twitter and other yeah. And, I, and according to Steam, only 0.5% of the people who've played Banish have gotten that 500 citizens achievement, and I am one of them. Sweet deal. Yeah. Sweet deal. All right, so uh, I think uh, that about wraps up the show, Crofton. Sweet. Man, we're, we're bringing it in nearly under an hour. Good job. Oh, that's great. We got we to gotta get it, you know, nice and tight. We're working on... Uh, 
uh, on the show. Every episode, we're trying to improve and, and try and get better. So if you have any tips, please uh, please let us know. Stuff you like, stuff you don't like. Uh, we're, we're flexible and open to change. Yeah. All right. So um, can I give them the dealy do? Sure. Tell them where they can submit all this change. All right. So you can find all of our information at our central website, um, exmpodcast.com. There you'll find links to subscribe to our show on iTunes and Stitcher. That's the main way you'll probably want to consume this audio content. Uh, if you want to just be notified of what's going on with us, you can find us on Twitter at exmpodcast.com and on Facebook at facebook.com slash exmpodcast. Uh, finally, if you enjoyed this show and um, you kind of want to hear us talk about other things, maybe non-video game related, you can check out our sister show, uh, Good, Bad, or Bullshit, at goodbadbull.com. There, me and Crofton and our good friend Michael Hodgins debate a topic selected at random by the random random blah, 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 random topic generator. It's fuel powered, and we keep it in Mike's garage. Um, I think that covers everything except the, you know, again, we're trying out streaming on Twitch. We're a gaming show. Twitch is kind of one of the places to be on, on, in gaming if you're broadcasting. Uh, but we're a little new to the whole video side of things. So send us your feedback. Let us know what you think. You can find us live streaming at twitch.tv slash exmpodcast.com. And uh, we'll be lurking in the chat room, so never know. We might start um, interacting with the chat room and taking your questions while we do the show. It might be kind of fun. We'll see how that goes. Um, okay, now I think that's everything except for Crofton. If our listeners want to find out a little bit more about you personally, where can they find you? They can find me on Twitter, uh, at Crofton Steers, where I will be kicking people in the hashtag Scott Johnson. <laughs> Scott Johnson? Oh, Are sorry. Are you calling out Scott Johnson? <laughs> no, I'm not. Of course not. He's going to friend me like he friended you one uh -huh. day. So if you want... I dropped his name like eight times on this podcast. Well, Just his last name, though. If you want, you need to learn how to play Heroes, and then, you know, you can try to do such a thing uh, to other people. It's true. Yeah. All right. And if you want to find out more about what I am up to, you can find me at Bo Schwartz on Twitter. Um, I've been tweeting a bit more lately, so... Uh, you know. Here's a hint. It's playing Heroes of the Storm. <laughs> yeah, actually, I have a pin. My, my pin tweet is a vine of me doing this awesome kill with Vala in Heroes of the Storm. You should go watch it. It's it's pretty sick. I, I tried to watch it, but it means nothing to me because I haven't played the game. That's true. But uh, I don't know what to say to that. All right. <laughs> so uh, we end the show with a little tradition that we call the Master Game Theater. <laughs> It's now time for Master Game Theater. Bam. All right, so, so uh, do you want to set this up? Who's doing it this week, you or me? I did it last week, but I will say I, what we have set up, I'm more familiar with than you, but that doesn't okay, mean I, you shouldn't do it. I'll tell you what, you do it, but I'll do the setup. How about that? All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Oh, all right, here, here. I'll tell you, today, the day of recording, which is uh, May... 11th so uh probably you're listening to this in the future but if not then good on you um is the 10 year anniversary of the release of a very famous viral video associated with world of warcraft the leroy jenkins um raid disaster video um bo schwartz will now provide us with a reading 
from this video as part of our Master Game Theater. So without further ado, Mr. Schwartz. All right. Let's do this. Leroy Jenkins! Good job. At least I have chicken. <laughs>